Praise the Lord. Thank you. All these musicians and different ones that had a part. God bless you. I love being pastor of this church. Amen. Uh, someone put some chocolate over here on my... I was going to see if they come and picked it up. If not, I'm thinking to take it home. And I noticed this week that they took Brother Casey's table. But mine's still here. So if, if you have some chocolate or something like that... It, you want to get rid of it, put it right down there. Amen. <laughs> Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So great to see each one of you this morning. Uh, I know you probably had a problem parking out here. We're getting ready for the Astro Victory Party tonight. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I guess we're going to let LSU come on in and join us. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, for it's touching the ministering to the saints. It is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Father, thank you this morning. Oh, how we have been blessed. And, and Lord, just rejoicing in you and praising you and thanking you this morning for salvation. You're the one who met us and turned us around. And Lord, you're the one that we praise and give thanks to. And Lord, I ask this morning for those in this congregation that are not ready to meet you face to face. God, don't let this opportunity pass from them. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that they'll come and they'll be saved before it's everlastingly too late. Now, I pray, Lord, the message you have for each one of us would burn deep within our hearts. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done. And Lord, we're excited about what you're going to do. Because uh, I know you're not through. Lord, I praise you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Thank you so much. Perhaps uh, maybe you've heard the story of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He went through so many receiving lines, and maybe you've dealt with people like this. You, you want to talk to them, but the whole time you're talking, you know, they're thinking of what they're going to say next, so they're not listening to what you're saying. And uh, he just got weary. He said, you know, I, nobody listens to me. Nobody's paying any attention to what I say. I'm through those uh, receiving lines. So he decided one day to do an experiment. He had about a 200 people uh, receiving line coming through. And he shook hands with the first one, and he said, I, I, I murdered my grandmother this morning. God bless you. I, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Well, praise the Lord. I murdered, you're the best president, I murdered. He went through all 200 of them. They were congratulating him, and they were saying thank you, and you're the best, and all of that, until they got down to the last person, the ambassador from Bolivia. He went through, and, and Franklin said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the guy kind of paused and put his hand around President Roosevelt and said, I'm sure she deserved it. Sometimes <laughs> we get the whole wrong meaning of everything we're trying to say. Nobody listened to us. We, we come to chapter 9, and we're just going through this, just verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And uh, we come to a thing called grace. Man, God's grace. His abounding grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. He's able to pardon and cleanse. The favorite word of Paul had to be grace. Paul, uh, out of 131 times that grace is mentioned in the New Testament, Paul uses it 110 of those 131. You see, Paul understood what grace was, not just theology-wise, but he understood what it was like experimentally, too experiencing it. That's exactly what it was. Listen, he was living in sin. He had a hatred toward the church. He was trying to destroy Christians. He hated God in defiance and disobedience. And it wasn't some educational system. It wasn't some spiritual guru. It wasn't some comedian or sports person. It wasn't some television evangelist that got Paul saved. It was a grace of God that saved Paul on the road to Damascus. And put him on the road to heaven. No wonder Paul could say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Can you say that this morning? I am what I am by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that, For grace are you saved through faith, and uh, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. We had an old chorus, uh, it was probably one of the front-line choruses uh, as the church transitioned into choruses. The verse says, and then one day Jesus touched me, and I knew his life divine. And the chorus said this, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I sing amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. I don't need to know the date. I don't need to know the time. I don't need to know the place. I don't need to know anything about you. I know this, that if you're sitting in this auditorium this morning and your sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, 
It was the amazing grace of God that saved your soul. Nothing else could save you. When you were deep in sin, there's nobody to help you. You couldn't save yourself. It wasn't the baptismal. It wasn't the front door of the church. It wasn't the religious family you were in. It wasn't turning over a new leaf. It was the precious grace of Jesus that looked beyond your fault and saw your need. Saved you. Not because of you, but in spite of you. (laughs) In spite. And I'm thankful today. Man, I'm thankful and praising the Lord that you don't have to be a certain color to get grace. You don't have to have a certain nation, uh, nationality to get grace. You don't have to have a certain amount of money. You don't have to have an education. You don't even need a credit report or a fingerprint or a co-signer. The grace of God is available to all. And I thank God for His grace. Now, I want you to understand something. Uh, th- this is probably about where... Uh, the message to lost people stops. And then we're going to get into Christians, dealing with Christians. Now, the message never stops for lost people. Your need is that you be saved. You're going to be saved when you realize that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. And then you repent of that sin and you turn yourself around and you go in the direction of God. You surrender everything. Uh, And then he comes in, you confess it with your mouth, And then he saves you. According to Romans 13, you're saved. You're sealed to the day of redemption. And I want you to know that offer, that when we get down to the invitation, that's the offer for you who are lost. Now, going to the Christians, as far as the Christians go, I want you to understand that this passage deals with two things intertwined. One of them, Baptists hate to hear. It's called money. It's giving. Woo, that that got a good, went over like a lead balloon. The other one is grace. And believe it or not, 2 Corinthians 9 doesn't separate them. It brings them together. So if you're lost here today, uh, you don't need to give an offering. Now, I know we've already taken the offering, but if you gave an offering and you're lost, we'll give you your money back. Because you say, preacher, why would you do that? It's simply like this. If you thought, if you're not careful, and you begin to come, and you know you're lost without Christ, and you begin to give, and you begin to give a little bit more here, and you give a little bit more here, if you're not careful, you'll begin to think in your mind, I've given enough to go to heaven. And I want to tell you, there ain't enough money in this building to go to heaven. It's not there. It's not there. So I, I, if you're lost, listen, I, mm, the church, I want to tell you, the Lord never asked the lost person for a dime. If we can't do the ministry of this church based on our tithes and based on our offerings, then we just need to shut her down. And you've done a marvelous job. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I just want you to be reminded of this because we're going through 2 Corinthians 9. Lost people don't understand the heart of a giving Christian. Now, the gate to heaven is marked free admission. If you paid 10 cents toward thinking that you were going to get into heaven, that would be called works. And I want to tell you something, salvation is not works, it is free. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs Christ everything. 
Isaiah said it like this. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You see, salvation is a gift. It's given to you. In 1506, Pope Julius laid the foundations for what was going to be St. Peter's Basilica. And in 1500, uh, this place still costs a lot of money. Uh, and so he sent out the monks to all of the different uh, countries to collect money. Now, this St. Peter's is 400 feet high, still there, and 80 feet around in the diameter. I mean, it, it's a big project. And so, now listen, if you're Catholic this morning, don't get mad at me. I'm just, just repeating history. The Catholic Church at that time had what they called indulgences. And an indulgence is if you had someone who was dead and you gave money to this indulgence, it would help them get out of purgatory a little bit faster than normal. And so they'd go around and, and, and take up money for all the things. Well, in 1516, Johann Tetzel was sent to Germany to sell these indulgences. It wasn't going as good as they'd hoped, and he decided they needed a little ring, you know, a little uh, chant or something to encourage people. So he came up with this. He'd go to the door, and he'd sell them the indulgence and try to get them to do, and he'd say, listen to it. As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the rescued soul from purgatory springs. And that sold a lot of indulgences. As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the rescued soul from purgatory springs. Now, if you had a lost person and you've been taught that all your life, that you can pay and they can get them out of there a little earlier, most of you would pay. Even if it was your mother-in-law, you'd pay. Try to get her out a little bit earlier. Amen? Martin Luther, in his thesis in 95, tacked on the door, why doesn't the Pope build the Basilica of St. Peter with his own money rather than the money of poor people? That's a good question. Here's what Paul was saying to this church at Corinth. He was saying, I've been there with you 18 months, a year and a half. You had all kinds of problems. He said, I, I watched you get saved and be discipled. I watched the drunk sober up. I watched the fornicators get pure. I watched the effeminate change their lifestyle. I watched the thieves quit stealing. And now God has saved you, and he didn't save you just to sit. He saved you to serve. He saved you to go. He saved you to, to grow and then to glow. We ought to be glowing as children of God. The same grace that saved your sinful soul is the grace that helps sustain you right now today. Abounding in it. Excel in it. Be excellent in it. The will of God is for you to abound in grace. I used to have a friend that he did music with me some, and, and he would always ask people, how you doing? And they, 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 inevitably, you go to these country churches, and some of y'all, well, pretty good under the circumstances. And then he'd say, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? God didn't die on Calvary for you to live under the circumstances. My soul, you're more than conquerors. Hey, we've got victory in this life. He turned this life upside down. You can get enough grace of God. Now, 
I don't know what situation you're in today. But I'm praying, I think probably most of us in this building would say there's something that's bothering us. We've got something. It may be uh, we're praying, God, take this burden away. You may be praying, God, I need a miracle. God, help me financially. God, I need to be healed. God, would you get this person out of my life? God, give me a promotion. God, give me more money. God, show me how to balance my budget. God, would you uh, work in Tuesday's election to help bring us back to God? Those are all great things, and keep praying. I'm not saying stop. But I want to remind you of this. If he don't heal you, and if you don't get that promotion at the job, and if you don't get a miracle, and if you don't uh, get your budget balanced, and if this election doesn't draw us closer, his grace is still sufficient to live whatever we need to live through. Don't ever forget that. It's sufficient. Now, let's look at the message here quickly here. Uh, there's a principle involved here, and it begins in verse 6. He said in verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, uh, you reap what you sow. That's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. You also reap more than you sow. But the law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. The moment you think of that scripture that I just read there in chapter uh, 9, verse 6, Immediately you would think of Galatians 6 where it says, Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reapeth. Now, you say, well, I thought that was the law of the harvest. There's two different things here. Now, stay with me. This is good. This is good. Even though I did come up with this, is good. Here, here's the difference. Galatians 6 is saying what you reap is what you sow. You, you plant beans, you're going to get beans. You plant potatoes, you're going to get potatoes. That's what Galatians 6 is saying. You reap what you sow. 2 Corinthians 9 is a different point. It says how you sow is how you reap. Hmm, I, I need to say that again. You didn't get that. Galatians 6 says you reap what you sow, but 2 Corinthians 9 says how you sow it is how you reap it. Wow, that's a whole different ball game. You see, if you reap much, you're going, you're going to have sown much. If you sow a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. Now, farmers all know what that time is of, uh, of planting. It's like an act of faith there. You take that seed, you put it in the ground. One day passes, two days, a week, two weeks. And you're like, well, it's all in vain. Ain't nothing coming up. And then all of a sudden, it begins to come. I never will forget my daddy many times, many times I can remember him. In his overall saying, boy, I wish I'd planted two or three more rows of peas. They sure are coming out this year. You know, one year squash might just overtake everything. And the next year it's the peas. And the next year it's the corn. You know, and, and he would say, boy, I wish I'd planted more rows of that. But you know what? When you're down to the harvest, it's too late to do any more sowing. The sewing part's over with. I get asked frequently, uh, do you ever get discouraged that people don't seem to come down the aisle? Listen, th this church is just like a harvest field. There are seasons for sowing, and there are seasons for reaping. 
sometimes we're just sowing seed we've seen this whole front covered up before with people being saved making decisions different decisions that's a time of of harvest but you can't always have harvest every day it, you only harvest what you sow and you harvest how you've sown the principle comes into play here how you sow is how you reap it's wonderful to live on a farm when the harvest is there and I never will forget going and pulling that fresh corn uh, we, we didn't have sweet corn we didn't fool with that that was sissy stuff uh, we, we had field corn pull that corn off of there four or five good stalks you know and all and take it back up Mama would clean that thing and put that corn in there and that churn, that butter that we had churned all day the day before, she'd put that butter in there and that cream that comes straight from the cow, she'd put that in, make that cream-style corn. Mm -hmm. Son, the great principle of the harvest time is real simple. It's real simple. Listen to it. It's even in the King James, you can't help but understand it. Luke 6, 38. Give. And what happens? It shall be given to you. And then he said, a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Is not that understandable? How you sow is how you reap. Proverbs 19, 7. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he's done. Listen, God's not going to be debtor to nobody. You're not going to outgive God. He, when you give, he's going to give back to you. Now, you know why we struggle with this? I mean, it's as simple. If you cannot understand Luke 6, 38, you either don't believe the Bible or you lost as a goose one. Because that's just as simple as that can be. But you know why we fight against that? Number one, we fight against it because we've got, we know some folks who have taken that to the extreme. Some folks who have said, uh, you send me $100 and God's going to reward you and give you $1,000. And so you, being the wonderful man and lady you are, you send him $100. You never got a dollar back, let alone $100. See, they're false teachers. And I want to tell you, uh, we'll study a little bit more about that, but I hear these people all the time saying, well, I invited these in, 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 into my house. Listen to me. The Word of God says if they're coming with a false gospel, don't you invite them into your house. You send them on their way. And don't you even say, God bless you. You send them on their way because it's a false teaching. We've got a lot of that going on. We don't want to associate with that, so we just shy away from teaching of the Scripture. And then the other reason we got a problem with it is because we just don't trust God. We just don't think God can do what God says He's going to do. Down deep in our hearts, we fear that God is not going to hold up His end of the bargain. My soul, have you ever seen God not hold up His end of the bargain? I've seen us not hold up our end, but I've never seen God. So instead of giving generously, too many believers give the least amount possible. 
What's the least I can give and everybody still be okay with it? That, that, that's the, the principles of giving, the sowing and reaping. The second thing here, though, is the explanation because Paul immediately explains how this truth works in the area of Christian giving. He said, each man, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Now, verse 7 points out our part of it on the sowing. He said it ought to be personal. The Word of God says every man should give what he has decided. That's personal. That's between you and God. There are some in this place could give a whole lot more than others. But you remember the story of the little woman there that gave just two, two little small coins. And yet Jesus said she gave more than everybody else because she gave all she had. These others gave out of their abundance. It ought to be personal. Don't let some preacher tell you how much you ought to give. It ought to be deliberate. That's what the scripture said. Reading verse 7, what he has decided in his own heart. It's deliberate. It's deliberate. No one ever come, becomes a, a cheerful giver, a generous giver, by accident. You don't learn to drive by accident. You don't learn to play an instrument by accident. You don't learn to give by accident. You learn to give going against uh, for God's plan it ought to be deliberate personal deliberate Barbie don't get mad at me but I talked with Barbie just a few minutes ago a little while ago and uh, uh, you pray for her she got an opportunity to lead some folk to the Lord and you know what I was amazed at Barbie she's already got this thing laid out what she's gonna do and how this person gonna be saved that's called deliberate I mean that's that's deliberate we're not just lackadaisical walking in there. Oh, no, no. She's got it all laid out and figured out how God's going to do all of it. That's what he's saying here on your giving. It ought to be deliberate. Don't come up here on Sunday morning and say, well, you know, I'm going to give him five. Mm. You ought to have been praying about that all week long. Well, I'm not going to get no amens there. Let me move on. It, it, it ought to be free will. It ought to be free will. Here's where a lot of us stumble. A lot of people give to God, but they wish they didn't have to. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to go to a church where you didn't have to give? Mm. I read about a guy one day that gave a testimony, and uh, he had a boy that was born. Had a few problems there. It cost him untold number of money to get him out of the hospital and then there were doctor's appointments and then there were surgeries and then he started school and man there was little league equipment to buy and softball and football and all of this and he, he went to church he had to buy clothes and, and and all of this stuff and then he got up in high school and my goodness in order to ring a bell you've got to do this and you got to do that and man you everything gets higher and higher and he got in college. Ungodly what college costs today. And then one day he said, the guy, my son, never cost me another dime. He died. I didn't need to spend any more money on him. He was dead. Now I just want to tell you, I'll be honest with you, 
if you want a dead church, I'm not calling anybody dead, but there are dead churches around. You can go and you can sit and you can soak and you don't have to give a dime. This is not one of them. We believe the Lord's coming back. We believe he's coming back soon. We believe these are the last days. And so therefore, we believe we need to do everything we can. As the song said, hell lost another one. That's what we need to do. And then lastly, it ought to be cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver, but he accepteth from a grouch. No. We, we used to put that in the bulletin, and that's ungodly. It really is. The Greek word is hilaros, which where where we get our word from, hilarious. Now, I won't be honest with you. That song they were singing while we were doing the offering is a pretty hilarious song. I mean, if you couldn't get up beat on that, something wrong with your beat. Amen? It's, it, it, when we were in uh, Kenya, they, they, don't, they don't pass the plate. They come and put it in front. But they're singing and they're clapping and they're having a hallelujah time because we get to give something back to God. It ought, it ought to be cheerful. Now, you say, yeah, but preacher, I still got bills to pay and I still got dental bills and new dresses and new shoes and all of this stuff. And that's why we're memorizing this verse this month. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having you in need, you will abound in every good work. I'm just telling you, you're not going to outgive God. And I'm not just talking about money. If you've got a gift, some of you, Brother Aaron, the other day, and I were talking about a lady that's, that's not here any longer. He said, do you ever hear her play the piano? I said, no, I didn't know she could play he said, oh, she could tear a piano up. Some of you sitting out here, you know how to play a piano. Some of you sitting out here, you know how to teach, how to help with children's ministry and youth ministry. You're, you're not going to give time for the glory of God that God don't bless you and give it back to you. With your talents and your time, mm, let me quit. There's a promise here, a promise. Verses 10 and 11. Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread to your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of righteousness. It's another argument from the farm here. God provides the seed for sowing and the bread for food. That's the doctrine of God's providence there. It's in his nature to care for the planting and it's in his nature to care for the harvest. He uses us as we sow the seed whether it be spiritual seed through witnessing or whether it be physical seed through helping the poor. Uh, this coming next week, we're going to have the agape feast. That's a time when everybody gets together and all of the families get together and you bring families and all and we'll meet over at Hallsville Cafeteria there because we don't have a building big enough to handle everybody. And we're going to just look and see what God has done during 2022. Fix it to be 2023. Man, the promises. Look, look at those verbs in there. He will supply. He will increase. 
he will enlarge. Read about a man who was interested in buying a Rolls Royce. And uh, he asked the salesman there, he said, uh, how much horsepower does that Rolls Royce have? The salesman said, well, I, I don't know. I'll go ask my manager. He knows. So he went and asked the manager. He said, how much horsepower does that Rolls Royce have? He said, I, I don't know. I'll go ask the owner. So he went to the owner. He said, how much horsepower does that Rolls Royce have? He said, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked that question. So they sent a uh, telegram to London, England, to the Rolls Royce Company, main headquarters. How much horsepower does this car have? They got a return telegram with one word adequate. <laughs> adequate. Could I tell you this morning? I don't know how much of the grace of God you need, but I'll tell you what, it's adequate. You, you're not going to be shorted. <laughs> If you're going through something where it takes a lot of grace, I want to tell you, his grace is abundant. If you're going through something that might not take as much grace, his grace is sufficient. Whether you need to be saved this morning, whether you need a church home this morning, the grace and all of this all wraps up together. God has given you the grace. What are you going to do with it? Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity you give us just to come and worship you. Thank you, Lord, for us living in America where we've been so blessed as a country. Thank you for our veterans who have stood up for America. And I pray our Christians will stand up with those men. Lord, that we'll take this country back. But God, I, I pray also this morning for folks that need to make decisions. I pray they'll not put it off but they'll come to you and make decisions now. Lord, would you have your way and your will in every life? That's your desire. Have it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this morning? Brother Casey.